0: Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Bruschi and I'm the deputy director here at Citizen Action. And welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel this week, which means Jorna Taylor is here. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna.
1: Good morning from April Wary in Wisconsin. Yep.
0: It's pretty nice outside. Uh, it's uh, great weather here this week. Robert Craig is here. Robert is our executive director at Citizen Action. Robert. Good morning, Matt. Matt and I both just got back from D.C. Yep, a trip that proved once again Matt is not a good traveler, nor is he very good at booking airline flights. Or picking the right airport, <laughs> is <what>
2: Matt's <laughs> yeah. referring to. So we, you'd think we flew back from the same airport, but no. Oh, no,
0: no, no, no. <laughs> hey, I got a good deal, though. I got to experience Dulles. I got to experience BWI. I got to experience Washington. It was a great trip, all in 24 hours. So, um, Robert, before we jump into... Um, all of the issues, and, and we've got plenty. Um, you were in Washington, obviously I was, and it was uh, connected to a very important merger of three national organizing networks, and um, Citizen Action is included in, in, in this merger. Please let our listeners know a little bit about, uh, about this, because it's very important to the future of Citizen Action and um, progressives here in the state.
2: Well, for a long time, progressives have been too divided. And we have these, I mean, literally, I like what Paul Waldman once said, that the progressive movement is designed in a way to fail, if you look at its structure. And so organizations like CisNational Wisconsin are affiliated loosely with networks of organizations, national networks that bring us together with our counterparts in Minnesota, New York, but they were competing networks uh, and that were patchworks. And some states were in one, some were in the other. So US Action, the network we were in, is merged now with National People's Action and Alliance for Just Society to create a much stronger network called People's Action. It was launched Monday night. Um, And uh, the first board meeting was Sunday night, and I was out there for that. And it's just amazing how many intelligent organizers are in the room from so many different cities and different states. And so there are 32 states included. Right now, uh, there are over 600 professional organizers in this network. Uh, there are over 60 national staff, and there are well over a million members, and it may not be the end of the consolidation, I can't announce it now, but there are other major national organizations that uh, the listeners have heard of who may be merging into this network. And so, this is what's needed. We need to align all of the state organizing with a national program, national plan to turn this country around. And this is, I was actually on the Tom Hartman Show, and he asked me whether this was designed to replace the Bernie campaign, if Bernie loses, and I go, well, well, we've been working on this for 16 months no it was not it was before we even knew the bernie movement would occur but it's perfect timing uh given that uh that that it's unlikely that bernie will be the nominee so the question is what to do with that movement and so this is part of part of where the energy can be focused
0: well it's uh we think it's very important uh this is going to provide a lot more capacity I think for for citizen action here. And you were at a climate meeting yeah, uh, well, of people's action right Matt? Yep, yeah, and what's important about this meeting and particularly this network is it's not a climate meeting, it was about climate justice and it has a a real racial lens and analysis about Uh, why the climate situation uh, exists. And we're very serious about trying to make sure that that becomes a part of uh, the discussion. We think it's uh, absolutely critical in order to changing the debate. Um, And it's also very important organizing that's going to go on. So um, I actually got to room uh, with a leader from the Native American movement around anti-uranium actually met someone who was involved in helping some of the folks here in Wisconsin organize against the Crandon mine in the 90s which was fascinating to hear so That's very excited
2: because I didn't we haven't met and I've compared notes I also roomed with a leader of the Native American movement a was, major leader who's on the board from South Dakota and yep. so uh, fascinating uh, what are the odds yeah but anyway. no
0: but anyways <laughs> so uh, this is going to be important uh, for us going forward we're very excited about it and so we just wanted to let you know so our first big topic of the week here is we got to talk about Prosser, uh, David Prosser, our Supreme Court Justice. The choker is, uh, I think Jorna has, uh, well, I think a lot of people like to call I him, call him that. Choker. You know, when you choke people, it kind of happens.
1: It could be a song. Some people call him a space cowboy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, because he's a choker,
0: I- he's a justice. <laughs> there we go. Brian can do a, a nice musical drop there. I actually one of my favorite Prosser. And as long as he's retiring, let's let's reminisce about Prosser. Um, was his Mike Lowe interview in the uh, elevator where he tried to attack Mike Low's microphone and the like the whole like uh, the little foam thing goes flying off. It was uh, it was it was a classic Prosser moment. He had that nice like deranged angry look where he turns all red. So but anyways. Matt,
2: this, this is just how distinguished <laughs> jurists are. You have to understand.
0: It's our courts. Yes. So Prosser's retiring, and yay. well, yay, right. yay, yay. I, it's it's. I believe um, the back end of this is going to be worse. Uh, Walker will now obviously get an opportunity to appoint. <laughs>
1: Hold on, it can get worse in our Wisconsin. Yeah,
0: I'm afraid <laughs> so. Uh, is essentially going to get to appoint a new justice who will then be there for about four years before they have to face re-election in 2020, if I'm correct, um, which means this person will have a bit of experience and will certainly be an incumbent. And we saw, even with the most recent election, that brings a certain level of um, help uh, in spite of how weak that candidate was. So, Jorna, why don't you uh, lead us off in your thoughts of, you know, about this uh, this new development?
1: Gee, I'm I'm just so shocked that this is happening. Uh, Who knows what his circumstances are around retiring or stepping down. He's moving on to, I think the quote is, to start a new chapter, whatever that means. Fine great. Um, but I will say that my friend Scott Ross from One Wisconsin Now I
0: was gonna mention him had <laughs> a
1: wonderful a really on-point Facebook post about before all of the progressives and Democrats go running out there thanking Prosser for his service and you know reminiscing in fond ways about him. Could we just remember what a horrible human being he is for two seconds and that, oh yeah, he tried to choke a fellow justice who happened to be a woman. I'm sorry. Her neck fell into his hands. Um,
2: so y- that, that was the kind of defense that uh, reflects his jurisprudence. I think uh, that level of
0: defense. Right? right. It's also some logic that we'll experience later in the podcast. It, it is. I'm sure, I'm sure the logic was <laughs> equally powerful for Act Ten uh, being constitutional.
1: Uh, so so let's not let's not go giving a rousing um, farewell party to the the good esteemed Justice Choker. Uh, however, there have been two candidates that have already stepped up and. Selflessly said that they would like to apply. uh, Mark Gundrum, who you all might know from heavyweight, (laughs) you all might know from from Republican episodes such as uh, draconian legislation in the past, and um, Jim Tropis, a. Former Republican attorney, longtime Republican attorney, who, you know, both of these gentlemen would just selflessly like to put their names forward to continue destroying our state for Scott Walker after we finally defeat him as governor so that his legacy can live on and on and on.
2: Well, I mean... We're being so unfair, Jordan, I don't you think, because no. clearly Governor Walker is right now scouring the state for the the greatest judicial minds to find out who can faithfully interpret the uh, meaning of Scott the Walker's state Constitution. Constitution and, right. So, I mean, obviously, there's nothing more to be said about Prosser. Obviously, it's good riddance, but they're going to. Uh, Looking for someone who they know what the outcomes will be. So that's the problem with the system, right? He's not looking for a judge with a conservative philosophy. He's looking at a judge that will not overturn anything Scott Walker has done, nor allow uh, him to be investigated for political corruption. And so if they know the answer already, what's the point of having judges, right, if you know the answer already? And so that it destroys the whole idea of separation of powers, right, entirely. This isn't a check on anything, right, and it lays bare a system that was corrupt, uh, that's been corrupt longer than this. I mean, the takeover of the Supreme Court election system has made a mockery of any notion these are independent jurists, right, and it's getting worse and worse. They've just been bought, bought and paid for, but it was always—it's been a problem from before Walker that the the governor had this authority to appoint a judge to an unexpired term, and then they almost never lost because they were the incumbent. And so, within when you add the corrupt mm-hmm. election system together with this, it's absolutely absurd. And progressives should be talking about. And I don't think I've been out of state, so maybe we're talking about this, Jorna. You can tell me, are we talking about? Changing the whole system for selecting judges, or are we just saying Prosser is a really bad well, guy? Well,
0: I was that I'm Robert, I'm glad yeah. you got there because that's yeah. why I wanted to talk about this. You know, this is what is. Uh, you know, if this were a Democratic governor with that legislature, the bill would already be drafted to change how, how, because yes. by the way, it should be. The notion that in this, as Robert said, highly, very politicized, partisan judicial process, that he could appoint someone for four years. These are the same folks who are running around saying that we should, we should wait on the Supreme Court appoint nominee, right? Well, yeah, because
1: Obama. Because a
0: one year, and they're willing to go with a system that they know is going to take four years before the public gets to sort of at least. Uh, Render some kind of uh, feeling about this Supreme Court judge, but of course they're not going to talk about that. But Robert, you're absolutely right. I think it's something that we ought to at least be pushing uh, to really. If, if this, is, if we're going to have these elections, which is a whole nother question, whether we should should run it this way. Well, you
1: I, I, this is. Absolutely. Another chapter in the Republicans forward looking choose your own adventure novel. Right. So they're just setting up that the adventure leads them to inevitably the destruction of the entire state and that they can remain in control, whether whether it changes enough from the demographics um, legislatively at some point. Due to changes in, in population, they can just control the court, so it won't matter, and they can sue the pants off of anything to continue to win. So, you know.
2: And I think we should be thinking about uh, some kind of merit selection uh, setup. And in that kind of setup, you have a you have an independent process where only qualified candidates are put forward. Now, if the governor gets to uh, select, then they're at least selecting. Even if there are conservatives there, people who are actually qualified, you know, judges who actually have ruled in many ways and uh, and actually read statutes, read the law, et cetera, et cetera. You could also combine it with an election system theoretically. I know this will sound heretical to some of the national folks, where oh, you have to go you have to be you have to go through a merit selection process to get on the ballot. But whatever you do, we cannot have Justice Gableman and Justice Ziegler and all of these, and, and Justice Bradley, these completely unqualified people who are who are simply Ideologues and robes uh, on this on our court if we're going to have a functioning court system that's a balance against the legislature um, and against the governor.
1: Heresy.
0: So we're going to move on to our next topic. We're going to talk about photo ID.
1: <laughs> oh, another thing that the Supreme Court loves. <laughs> well,
0: I thought it was a good transition. And Jorna, you are expert, uh, at least on this panel, on this issue. I am. So, so well, this week it's worth noting that. Um, uh, it looks like there, well, there was a big push. Chris, uh, Representative Taylor, and a number of Democrats have really been pushing uh, to make sure that we better fund photo ID education. And we we already had um, uh, sent, uh, Representative Nigren suggest that he would look into that. And then, of course, well, uh, yeah.
1: sorry, it's in my throat.
0: I, I'm just, I am. <laughs> Just stating what the representative had to say will take small signs of oh God, <laughs> independent looking activity or
2: something to grab I onto. Think that's it's very it's right.
0: unusual. I gotta lay <laughs> some ground for us to work <laughs> off of. So Adorable. Representative Nigren has suggested that he might be open to considering funding. <laughs> and then our governor steps in and uh, suggests that somehow the reason we're not funding this is because we have a lawsuit against it and so therefore there's no other resources. What the hell, Jorna? And we, uh, oh, Robert,
2: um, we and one Wisconsin now institute are part of one of those lawsuits, so we're part of the problem, right, Jorna?
1: We're always (laughs) part of the problem. Uh, I mean, if you can't be part of the solution, I guess be part
0: of the problem. But this isn't even (laughs) this is ridiculous, right? We're talking about a fairly small amount of money.
1: Can we just? (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about like two hundred and sixty grand or something. I mean, it's not even so. So, thank you to our democratic legislators who are finally pushing for this. Um, I will say, it's. uh, it's a little late in terms of we've already had implementation, but you know, no money will be turned away and we saw massive problems and confusion with photo ID in these spring elections. So awesome. I find it laughable that Nygren has even said, I totally will entertain having a conversation about a bill that could potentially come that I would think about and then rubber stamp no, like absolutely no, it's... Please, give me a break. As for the governor whatever that's ridiculous but i think my favorite part about all of this is that kevin kennedy who is the uh, yes. director of the government accountability board is like dude he's taking the gloves off he's like i'm you know i'm going out hard because his job is essentially over as of the end of june when they change back to a state elections commission i gotta tell you
0: i was surprised to see quotes from him that i know he was right? still we there. we showed a I'm pulse sorry, um
1: and he calls Walker's statements a really very disingenuous comment. Wow! Well,
2: disingenuous. Yay.
1: I wish that he would have been that way for most of his tenure, but, you know, we're getting there.
2: Well, uh, what the governor is proposing so nicely <laughs> is that if we give up our constitutional rights, he'll throw us a little education, S- right? S- so it's like Governor Wallace saying well, you know, I'll do some segregation education if you stop all those protests that are costing us too much money, you know, and stop suing our, our school system and our, and, and, and our, our segregated lunch counters, etc. Uh, so, I mean, this is a governor who thinks he has cautious a right to flagrantly violate our election laws and not be investigated. And now, quite frankly, uh, coming attractions for the next primaries, uh, the right-wing vendetta uh, to try to take out the prosecutor who dared investigate uh, Scott Walker. Uh, John Chisholm, which which we will be talking about in future weeks. So we have that kind of activity, and now, oh yes, if you just don't sue me, then we'll do a little education on my disenfranchisement.
1: That seems legit, right?
0: So one one other <laughs> one other voting related good deal.
1: super good deal. You stop annoying me, and I'll give you two hundred and sixty thousand dollars for statewide education. One uh,
0: cool. one other thing that I want to point out uh, this week that happened is we now know officially. at We believe officially through November, the state elections board has said they're not going to have the online registration ready. So that means those special uh, registrars, the SRDs, special deputy registrars, will be available uh, to do that work this cycle. Uh, And
1: let's, can we be clear about who those people are? Again, it's the League of Women Voters. It is the NAACP. It is folks like Anita Johnson from Citizen Action going out. These are people who know how to do proper voter registration, have dotted all the I's, have crossed all the T's, have been trained, and are out there to register voters, not to Mm -hmm be in violation of election law. Who are
2: suspiciously good at giving people their, their right to vote. <laughs> <You can't>.
0: so, <laughs> so I also wanted to mention that we are doing a, a as Jordan mentioned, a significant registration program here in Milwaukee, but also throughout the state, and are very interested in trying to train as many people, help train as many people to be uh, voter registrars. Um, And so if you are interested in learning about what it takes to be a registrar, please give Anita Johnson uh, a contact, and she will get back to you. It's Anita.Johnson at CitizenActionWI.org. We want to encourage you to become a special deputy and register people. And uh, by the way, the and we'll uh, immediately next year uh, get busy about trying to change that law. And, uh, and uh, you can be involved in that effort, too. So with that, we want to move top, move on to our next topic. Oh, the representative, Jesse Kremer. So we've talked about this fine gentleman before. He's, he's put himself out there on a number of issues, including uh, he is the gentleman who brought up the transgender bathrooms bill he's all all up in everybody's face about bathrooms and this week released a put out a release that is just unbelievable well i guess it's sort of believable but attempting to try and say that this legislation shows that progressives really hate women because his legislation was all about protecting women so Jorna you're the only woman here on the panel <laughs> Could you help me figure th- out what he's talking about?
1: <laughs> no. Um, I know that I can't openly curse on um, the podcast. Sure you can. It's... So can I say, in you know, teenage shorthand, FFS, <laughs> and people will know what that means. Uh, it, it, so let's read the quote from the good representative I, from go Kewaskam. Because it. it's, 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 it's so special. fascinating. Um, so in a statement that he released on Wednesday, and we record on Thursday... Uh, he, that by supporting legislation that allows transgender people to use bathrooms associated with the opposite sex, which I take, I take some issue with that writing of, but we won't get into that right now. The,
0: the least of the problems. The Joanna. representative
1: says, and I quote: "Progressive activists. That's that's me. That's you, Matt. That's you, Robert. Sure. That's you, Brian Wooldridge, Progressive activists have finally, blatantly, and unintentionally, <laughs> unintentionally unveiled their real war on women. So all that work that Planned Parenthood has been doing, all that work for, against, you know, making sure we have equal pay, all of, all of that work has actually been an unintentional war against
0: women. He's so smart. Against I, women. I, yes. When I read this, I I just like, wow, man, he finally called it like it is and cracked the code. Robert, uh, thoughts on your friend Jesse?
2: Well, I'm just looking. at you know looking at this statement closer since so I've been out of town. I'm fascinated. This is this requires kind of psychological analysis, actually. Mm. Will I take my? This is from his press release, right, oh, Matt? It's it special. That's why we're Will talking about Will I take my it. daughters to Target to change in a stall that has cracks between the doors and, and 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 open top and bottom? No, no! way.
0: Wait, did he say Bob Donovan in there? Oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, there go. sorry.
2: Open top and bottom, which is interesting. Uh, that's what I mean about the psychological explanation. Mm. Will I drop my girls off at an open high school swim to change in their respective changing rooms? Uh, Not no. on your life. No. No, I, it, nor is there a chance that they will be exposed to the whims of the sexless progressivism ah. of the business, professional, sports, and entertainment community. They're, they're sexless. I thought they were... I thought it was about... I anyway. We is it about sex or what sexless. is it about? Okay, so... I mean look why this is this is like stuff. i i mentioned governor wallace george wallace in uh, earlier this is like the stuff we heard about interracial marriage and and, and lunch counters and everything else it's just it it, it it they're revealing an incredible level of bigotry he says there have been cases of women being harassed so in the spirit of uh, Abraham Lincoln, who in the Spanish-American War uh, that that uh, where it was claimed there was Mexican aggression, uh, said in Congress, point to the spot. We would like to know about these incidents from Representative Kramer and where, where they where they are? Are they in Wisconsin? Are they in Kiwaskum? And uh, and what was involved? So we'll wait. We'll wait uh, for information on these these well these uh, all these incidents that have already occurred.
1: Can, can I just so a friend of mine shared a meme on Facebook the other day uh, that I I love I love this and it says if you have a problem sharing public restrooms with transgender people just ignore it like you do with homelessness racism climate destruction and endless war
0: yes I um I saw that Jorna and had the great opportunity when a one of my Facebook friends uh, who's on the more conservative side had a a meme on the opposite side, so I posted this meme next to his, and Good. it actually got a number of likes, which I'm sure was a bit disturbing to him, so anyways... I'm very uh, worried about the open tops and bottoms
2: at Target, though. I can't kind of get, <laughs> get, get, get around that.
0: Uh, oh, Target. So so we are going to switch topics here. We're going to talk about some labor issues. Um, one... This Monday, a really big uh, court decision, or a judge, uh, Circuit Court Judge William Faust basically said that Wisconsin's right-to-work law will remain blocked. Um, And and the reason for it is he basically deemed the law unconstitutional, saying that the harm to unions, who are basically obviously forced to represent all non-dues-paying employees, outweighs the harm to those free riders uh, who are not Basically, required to pay the money. So, this is kind of you know, a little bit of a surprise, and it's actually a very strong statement. Um, we know where this ends up, I think, but I, I think it's important uh, that this discussion get out there. Apparently, it's my understanding that this ruling and this could be sort of a new terrain in right to work laws uh, nationally that this case could be setting, even if it gets, you know overturned by our state supreme court which we obviously just talked about robert
2: well you think our state supreme court is going to consider the law and consider this argument
0: no no as i said i they won't but i do believe the the argument that's being made here is 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 new and actually may have a chance to you know be change things down the road right in terms of where we're headed in other states, or if this gets into federal... Like with segregation,
2: a lot of early court cases that were overturned ultimately became the law,
0: right? Exactly.
2: And so the basic idea here is that people have a right to hang together, to have a democracy, to have a strong workplace organization to balance the power of large multinational corporations, of the boss... And that when what they're really doing is undermining that capacity entirely by saying that a majority of workers can't choose to have a, fu- a powerful functioning union. In fact, has to represent all the the free riders just to ha- that don't want to be involved, even though there's a vote. So it's like saying that you don't have to pay taxes, right? Now the right gets very upset with me when I say this on talk shows, but it is absolutely like that. A union is a democratic organization. They like to say, if you don't like the workplace conditions somewhere, you don't like that you that you're paid a poverty wage. Oh, they can work somewhere else. Vote with your feet. But when it comes to the folks that that don't want to be in a union, they're like, oh, it's terrible. It's an oppression of their rights. They have a right to go to a union facility and not and not even pay for representation. That's what they're saying. But otherwise, any other problem at work, go away. Move, right? That's so it, completely hypocritical. And so obviously the decision is right. Actually, it's restored the rights of citizen action uh, staff members because our staff contract says that uh, that you basically have to be in the union unless it's overridden by a state law so that we're legally protected. Now, it's not overridden by a state law. So um, are the majority of citizen action members get to decide that there's a union
0: at citizen action. So we're going to continue to watch this suit. We obviously kind of know where it'll end up in the Supreme Court and how that'll turn out. But uh, we'll, with we'll, with Walker's new justice we'll, appointed by then, yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll this be, won't be a part won't be part of the conversations. We'll,
2: we'll, be <laughs> spent, we'll be spending late nights with the law books, uh, figuring out you know how they're going to rule on this case, right? Not just saying, oh. That's the right wing position. I'm there. Just mark me. Mark me down.
0: Uh, so another issue that came up this week uh, is is uh, Menards, and Jorn, I know you, the love great John Menard. Menards. Menards. Speaking Save of no
1: money at Menards. Speaking of
0: advocates for women. So John Menard, who <laughs> I think.
1: God. <laughs> oh. What is it with these b-balls? Uh. <laughs> he is the richest man in Wisconsin. When you go through those lists, you know, when you get sucked into the clickbait on Facebook, um, and you look at the richest person in each state. John Menard is the richest person in Wisconsin.
0: And that's why I think this is a big deal. Um, Menard is also an arch critic of Obama. He's been someone who's sort of taken the lead on that, whether it be Obamacare. Um, But this is a big deal because essentially what they've done is they've admitted now that the NLR NLRB that they that what they're doing forcing their employees to sign waivers that say that their employees would give up the right to any sort of class-action lawsuits or complaints to the NLRB in return for an arbitration system imposed by the company so this is this is a big deal for Menards to do this it, it and they certainly wouldn't have done it if they thought they we're gonna, we're gonna, win. We're gonna have a shot at winning um, but uh, you know A lot of uh, our friends in labor have talked uh, talked to me and told us about that the labor board is actually a much better board right now, and that um, there are opportunities for organized labor right now if folks want to organize. and And I think this is a a continuing trend where we're starting. We may see um, a change in. organizing i'm hoping i I, th- I hope this could be optimistic uh uh connected connected to that environment so
2: yeah and i just want to say in, in, in all fairness uh, john menard John <laughs> uh, menard and you can look up his record as far as women if you want i won't go into that Oh yeah. but uh easy to google uh that he's one of those captains of industry the job creators that is responsible for the incredibly dynamic and growing wisconsin economy Yeah. And just just remember that. And we should just hand over all economic policy to him because he knows what's best for all workers and for and for prosperity and for the future of our state. I
1: I do believe that Jerry Taylor, my mother, once um, yeah, she lit her charge cut on fire in American TV one day because she got mad. But she definitely cut it in half and threw it at the service desk at Menards.
0: (laughs) Ah, good, good. old Because of their great business practices. Yes, yes.
2: So, and I'm sure WEDEC will be coming out against forced arbitration very soon. I'm sorry, WEDEC needs to have a pulse first.
0: <laughs> so I also wanted to mention uh, a new study that came out this week from the public policy forum around uh, was, uh, the teacher shortage. And it really looked at and found out that we're having a real issue in our education programs at the university level. And we've had significant declines in the amount of, uh, folks that are enrolled and graduating from those programs. Now, it's important to point out that it's bad nationally. I mean, we're talking about 35 percent decline nationally, 28 percent here in Wisconsin. Um, this is a serious issue, uh, and we know. I think we all know kind of why this is happening, right? We've got complete attacks on education, not only in Wisconsin but nationally, and I think these numbers clearly back it up, Robert.
2: Well, it's just, I mean, just so surprising. I mean, we're saying that teachers are the cause of all the problems, right, period. All the problems in society, actually, because we say that growing income inequality and poverty and, and, and a huge sedge of kids being eligible for free and reduced school lunch, that, uh, that that's the teacher's fault. Right, and that, and that, if we just had better, just had better teachers, right, who were more responsible, then we'd have a first-class education system that was competitive with any other in the world. Well, guess what? If you, if you heap it on teachers, if you attack the profession, if you make the prof- you take away autonomy from the profession, you take away wages and benefits from the profession. No one thinks we'll have a better healthcare system if we really mess with the doctors, right? You never hear that. Uh, And the the right wing and a lot of kind of sellout Democrats who have been for, quote unquote, fake education reform have been part of this blame the teachers, attack the teachers. And this is the result. And it doesn't I mean, in this case, right, because we always hear that we have a skills gap, right? Well, people have to want to do the darn profession. Right. So we have these teacher education programs. We have qualified people to go into them and they don't want to. And then we have people leaving the profession. Maybe where's the education reform package for that, by the way? I mean, what, what what if we made teachers who are where the rubber reads the road? It's teachers and students in classrooms, right? Um, if Why can't we make teachers the center of education reform? So anyone who tells you about education reform that doesn't mention the quality of teachers, compensation for teachers, respecting the teaching profession, and giving it professional autonomy, uh, literally doesn't care about, uh, they're, they're full of ideological scruples, and they don't really care about creating a first-class education system.
1: So- so this is an incredibly serious issue, but we all know that my job on the podcast is to provide the <laughs> snark commentary. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why you're so upset, Robert. Mm. I think that this teacher shortage is fine because obviously we don't need as many qualified, educated teachers going through university uh, accreditation because one, we're cutting public education you know, left and right, and two, you don't need a degree from any sort of university to teach at all those voucher and choice schools. So, you know, it's going to be fine. Once we just completely privatize education, our children will be learning like you wouldn't believe. So get on the bandwagon.
2: It's quite the John Menards education model,
0: right? Well, to follow up on uh, on those comments, um, the survey did find that so many of the teachers, why are they leaving the profession? Well, they listed money. Is the most frequent because they make right?
1: nothing. So
0: low salaries, capped raises were listed as an issue, and a lack of opportunity for income growth was number three. You're seeing a trend here in the top three issues, and then of course uh, they indicate they seek higher earnings beyond the classroom, right? That that they have to do a lot of work outside of the classroom in order to make up the difference. Um, the report also found that the that it is much worse in Milwaukee, uh, that we have serious issues. It also found that there was a real impact in Act 10. We know that statewide uh, there were were 6,507 teachers who retired the year after Act 10. That was a 56% increase over the prior year. So there's a whole lot of uh, data out there that is really coming in and getting more solid, demonstrating what we knew was going to happen, but uh, it always helps, hopefully, if uh, we can ever elect people who believe in science, numbers, and data again. But...
1: (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, I've never heard of these things <laughs> Yeah,
0: we thought, we thought we'd thought we at least touch upon it So, with that though
1: Speaking of somebody who oh, doesn't Oh,
0: it's our favorite time in of the podcast science. Paul Ryan Watch. Ryan Watch Ryan Watch So, Jorna, what do we have uh, From Paul Ryan this week?
1: I think you're going to have to modify It's not just Paul Ryan anymore It's cool dude, cool dude Paul, Paul Ryan, Ryan
0: Who uh, this week spent some time outreaching to millennials and just asking them to just give the GOP a chance. He
1: would like the GOP to have a chance.
0: Well, you know he's the party of cool Trump. Just
1: a cool guy. He can totally relate to them because he's awesome. So
0: here's the problem, though, Jorna. He may be awesome, he's super awesome. He's selling a party that uh,
1: is not is at all not awesome, it's awesome at all. Racist.
0: It, uh, it's anti-gay. Whoa, that's, you know, that's Donald the Trump's young party. folk aren't really into that, Jorna, that's- I've heard. Hold up. They're not into hold that shit.
1: Hold the phone. <laughs> If you've been following along on Paul Ryan Watch over this past, I don't know, years. When when was his rise to stardom? Oh, yeah, years ago. Never mind. But if you've been following along, you will have seen how Paul Ryan has been distancing himself from the policies of trump and talking about the house republicans and his agenda as the cool guy agenda and so if you just look at the policies and you stop looking at his orangeness as the leader but you really take a look at the policies you'll find millennials that we are totally cool with you and if you don't think so just watch me on colbert i'm super awesome i mean look in all seriousness it it is a We've talked about this, Paul Ryan and his dance music, Paul Ryan and his appearances on late night talk shows, Paul Ryan and his Twitter account, as much as Matt does love some of the gems that come out of the it. the tweets. Right. Paul Ryan is definitely trying his best and, and in some ways succeeding in remaking a an image of the old stodgy white dude smoking cigars Republican Party, because if they're going to survive, they have to do that.
0: Well, here's the big problem for him, uh, during he has a, a problem? During a question and answer session at Georgetown, one self-described young Republican said he was dismayed by the party's top two presidential candidates. So it's not just Trump. Uh, he singles out Trump and Cruz, and he was hoping Ryan could give him and others like him some advice or reason for hope. That's pretty bleak. Carly Fiorina. Reason for hope?
2: <laughs> She's totally hope. All right. Hope you change. Yeah, uh. So I, I like the language. The language could be, you know, from Comedy Central, right? <laughs> uh, he's talking about how uh, uh, conservatives that are, ver- that are inclusive and open. Which is fascinating. Who are know. these people? Who are these people? Wh- where do they live? And he st- refers to an inclusive and aspirational brand of conservatism, yeah. not what he called cartoon-like vision depicted. Well,
0: the cartoon-like
2: vision is coming from <laughs> its leaders. Because are winning is a cartoon. Uh,
0: the cartoon occurred Tuesday night, 60% in some of these st- states. He's well over the 50%. Oh, yeah, what happened to the 30% At, You know, cap? the
2: cartoon, You mean the you mean the throwing 18 million people out of the country?
0: Uh, inclusive part of it,
2: uh, do you, should he had Jesse Kremmer up on the stage and, and that bizarreness? Maybe Jesse Kremmer and John Menard's could have been flanking him. What what the reality <laughs> is,
0: his vision is a cartoon vision, right? It doesn't. It's not out there. He's the only one selling it. Nobody else is buying it.
2: The, the cartoon
1: of um, vaginal probes for women, <laughs> like that's a super awesome cartoon that I love.
0: Uh. <laughs> So, so but that's
1: not Paul Ryan's cool party.
0: Yeah. So we're going to continue to track Paul Ryan and on mock this, him. <laughs> and on this and I like I like the language of the
2: article Matt gave us. It says that millennials have drifted away from the. I don't think it's a drift. <laughs> <laughs> they have run away. It reminds me of those science <laughs> experiments
0: terror. where you like put the pepper in the water and you you bring in the soap or whatever and it like f- it pushes away, right? I mean, who would want to be with this party? With that. We're gonna wrap this up with our weekend furlough, Jorna. W- w- what are you doing this weekend? Might it have anything to do with horses?
1: Yeah, I, I'm gonna hang out with George and Reno, and that's about all I have planned. Oh, and I might go to a concert tonight. Oh, very might nice. go see Frightened Rabbit after Fra- I see them Fra- at the studio session at Eighty Eight Nine this week or today.
0: Eighty Eight Nine, Jorna's love affair. Robert, what are you doing this weekend?
2: Well, you can put your suggestions on Facebook. Robert's been out of town for four days and already worked a full work week and has not even thought about getting to the weekend yet. So uh, feel free to post any suggestions. I don't know uh, if there are any exciting things going on in Milwaukee this weekend. Uh, Open open any information.
0: So, Robert, here's a suggestion. Uh, You can do what I'm doing tonight. You can go see fences.
2: No, no,
0: no. That's later (laughs) this weekend. You can do that if you want. We'll get to that. But it starts with tonight, which is Thursday. We're going to see fences at the Milwaukee Rep, which is a fantastic play. Uh, and very much looking forward to that. So Robert, I suggest that you go do that uh, later you're not this weekend.
2: To the, the Milwaukee Co-op Steering Committee meeting tonight. Uh, I, I got a date. <laughs> got a date with the
0: family, taking them out. So um, very much looking forward to that. And uh, I will be uh, in Henry, Illinois, on Saturday, the historic Henry Half Mile with my son. So always looking forward to that and hopefully going to get out to a Brewer game if I can. I think they're in town this weekend. I'm hoping yeah, maybe are. I'm good. Yes, yeah, Sunday Did I really – it rained
2: out yesterday?
0: Uh, I don't know. They, I have, was...
1: they, they can't. Or oh, were they not in town?
2: Maybe. Well, I didn't see – they have that I roof. Didn't, I didn't see a second Cubs-Brewers That brewer we paid score. for. We <laughs> saw the first game score. Oh,
0: yeah. our producer has spoken. And he feels he paid too much for that roof Anyways, with that We are going to bring this podcast to a close We want to thank Brian Woldrich, said producer For making the podcast happen every week Exactly, and we'll see you next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin